something like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, you know, and this kind of technology for radio connectivity, but on a large scale, it doesn't work. So we started to dig out, you know, some information on what, what exists. I mean, obviously we have cell networks, you know, and the mobile phones and the narrow band IoT and things like that. But it was something that we wanted that, you know, will work by itself so we can create our own network and all the devices in this network will work by itself without any dependency on the public connectivity on Wi-Fi or 3G or 4G. And uh, then we came up with the first prototype, which was working on LoRa. LoRa stands for uh, Long Range Radio. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. What's up, sprinkler nerds, tech nerds, agriculture nerds? You ready for an awesome episode today? Heck yeah. Bring it on, Andy. Okay. Okay. I will. Hang on. I gotta, I gotta go slow. Gotta be patient. I'm excited to bring you Alex Palin, the CEO and co-founder of Iriot. Iriot stands for Irrigation Internet of Things. Iriot is a Swedish innovation startup in the forefront of wireless, intelligent, precision irrigation solutions for agriculture. In our discussion with Alex today, I hope to learn about the following three topics. Number one, IoT, Internet of Things. Number two, wireless irrigation automation. And number three, precision irrigation. And perhaps we'll also learn what it's like to create a startup company in Europe, some of the lessons learned along the way, and how we might be able to help Uriot uh, come to the U.S. market. So with that, Alex, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. So I'm pretty excited as much as you are. And I'm just going to set the scene here a little bit. It is noon Eastern time in my office. And yeah. Alex, what city are you in right now? I'm in Stockholm right now at 6 p.m. here in Stockholm and at 6 p.m. So here we are using some awesome technology to link ourselves together to create this episode here today. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. As we sort of talked about at the beginning, thank you for working after hours to connect, which is kind of a joke because as a CEO of a startup company, you don't have hours. You got to do what you got to do to get your company off the ground. That's exactly the truth. So we're not thinking about the hours, the weekdays and things like that. So for us, it's just work, work, work uh, to get them some, to some success point. So let's start with, I, I want to talk about you, but before we do that, can you tell us about Iriot? Yeah, well, what you said, exactly correct. So Iriot stands for Irrigation Internet of Things. And um, uh, what we come up with is the wireless uh, irrigation like wireless precision irrigation platform and uh, whatever needs to be irrigated it doesn't matter for us it could be landscape it could be residential areas parks and public areas uh, agriculture of course our first segment um, sport arenas uh, cemeteries 
things like that. So everything that needs to be green could be irrigated or it needs to be irrigated, especially in the certain areas. And uh, that's what we come up with, wireless precision irrigation solution. So it should be easy to deploy. Uh, it should cost like fraction of the price when you will compare it to, let's say, wired-based irrigation when you need to dig a lot of trenches uh, hire some heavy machinery spend like weeks and months you know for installation and lots of money so for us it's more or less like a plug and play solution which you can install in a matter of hours and days instead of weeks and months and i can teach anyone in this world in a couple of days on how to install it without any problems wow fantastic now, when did you first have the idea for the product or the company? Well, originally it wasn't the idea for the exact product that we have right now. Uh, it was the late uh, 2017 when uh, my colleague and I were sitting at his uh, home actually, and he was supposed to leave for vacation. And he said like, okay, I have like a small patio here. Uh, I'm going to leave it unattended for a month. Would you be able to come here, you know, and maybe water my plants uh, just to keep my wife happy when she's back? And um, yeah, but he, but, uh, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's an electronic engineer. He spent 20 years working for Ericsson, and Ericsson is a well-known telecom company here in Sweden and worldwide as well. So, uh, yeah, he's like electronics engineer, knows everything about radio technology. And, uh, yeah, the question was like, you know, maybe you can automate it and just leave it unattended and let the electronics do everything for you. And that's how, let's say, the first things that used in our technology were kind of like born uh, in the late of uh, 2017. So then uh, we... Uh, we made the first prototype and first, of course, I mean, if you're talking about um, home use, like hobby use and things like that, usually you would have like something like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, you know, and this kind of technology for mm -hmm. radio mm -hmm. connectivity. But on a large scale, it doesn't work. So we started to dig out, you know, some information on what, what exists. I mean, obviously we have cell networks, you know, and the mobile phones and the narrow band IoT and things like that. But it was something that we wanted that, you know, will work by itself so we can create our own network and all the devices in this network will work by itself without any dependency on the public connectivity on mm -hmm. Wi-Fi or 3G or 4G. And uh, then we came up with the first prototype, which was working on LoRa. LoRa mm -hmm. stands for uh, Long Range Radio. And um, in um, in the beginning of 2018, we made the first prototype, and then we found the first uh, kind of like uh, adventurous guy uh, who believed in us and who wanted to install it on his one hectare land here in Stockholm. Actually, it's a royal land, so it belongs to the royal family. And uh, he's just using part of the land. He got his, um, his um, let's say, um, it's, it's a land uh, where he grows seasonal vegetables for self-picking. And also they have like some sort of like a flowers shop, you know, and stuff for gardening and okay. uh, for things that you can buy for yourself and plant it in your own uh, garden or somewhere mm -hmm. else. So 
And uh, yeah, in 2018, we installed the first prototype. It was the summer of 2018. And uh, yeah, it was working there since then. Very cool. And what did you learn when you put in that first prototype? Oh, we learned a lot. Uh, we learned that uh, we don't know anything about agriculture. We don't know <laughs> how the plants actually, you know, uh, work or exist or grow or produce food and things like that. No, I mean, we knew some things, but uh, uh, the people who were working at that, let's say, farm, it's it's a small farm, but they had mm -hmm. like a lot of stuff. So they had a lot of people working there and uh, they told us what actually plants need, when they need it, how is it better? Why is it better to irrigate during the late evening or early morning or at night? How the flowers are open towards the sun during the day? How the evaporation is, you know, uh, much uh, greater or much, much better uh, during the day hours? Uh, and um, you cannot, you know, irrigate everything at the same time. So you should have like different zones because there is not enough pressure in the pipes. And uh, also, when it comes to uh, basic, let's say, irrigation schedule, sometimes it's not flexible enough. So you need to, let's say, irrigate zone number one for 15 minutes, then switch to zone number two for 20 minutes, then come back to the zone number one and irrigate for another five minutes. There are things like soak cycles and uh, seasonal adjustments and... Uh, rain mm -hmm. you know and a lot of things that so i mean we were always i mean we, we the first prototype was actually the add-on to the existing controller so we took the controller off the shelf and then we built the wireless part and then we connected two things together and instead of you know pulling the wires from the controller to the actual valves in the field we used the wireless technology mm. so first we replaced let's say wires Mm -hmm. And then we understood that actually the controller that we bought was not suitable, not flexible enough, and uh, was not good, basically, for the application. And uh, we decided that, okay, the controller is the easy part because the hard part is to replace the wires. And then uh, we made our own controller, and uh, we just used all the feedback we collected uh, from those guys, from the first installation, from the installations that we got later uh the year mm -hmm. after and uh, yeah i mean i mean this time is precious so uh, everything that we got since our first installation everything we all the feedback we got from the people working there everything actually built up the product that we have now excellent so just slow iterations over time it sounds like you put something in you learn something you made some changes you learn something and you keep doing it yeah, or sometimes you just see unhappy people and then it's like, what's your problem? And they just tell you and then you try to like, okay, that's not a problem because technologically wise, it's just, it's it's easy peasy. So, I mean, we're going to fix it. And sometimes, I mean, what's, what's, what's actually was exciting about this project and what was funny kind of for us, because we know everything about technology. We know what technology can do and what we can do with technology. But farmers, you know, people from the field, they don't know what to ask for. Because sometimes they think like, okay, that's going to be impossible. And sometimes like, okay, can we can we have something like that? And we're like, yes. Do you need it? Yes. That would be awesome. And then, you know, three days after, they have this feature. 
Do you have an example of something like that? Yeah. Um, uh, I think uh, most of our features are those examples. <laughs> uh, but I think it was um, like, uh, I want to I have, uh, let's say, uh, the irrigation programs. So you have... Usually, when you talk about wired-based controllers, usually you have program one, program two, program three, program four, program five, etc. And then they will work in sequential order. So you cannot do like program one, then program nine, then program five, then program four. So you cannot, you know, make it flexible. And they're like, okay, but why do I need to program it the way that it's like, you know, I have zone one, zone two, zone three, mm -hmm. zone five, whatever. Uh, why can't I just have it whatever I want? And we're like, right. yes, you can. And then we just made it. So, I mean, like random <laughs> order or like, you know, drag and drop or change order. Uh, technologically, it's, it, it's a simple feature. Yeah, it takes some time to release it. But I mean, and they were like, can we have it like that? And of course, I mean, we understand that that time they had like a controller with with like a, with a manual switch. So, I mean, you select like mm -hmm. A, B, C, D, and then you select the programs and it runs like that. So, I mean, it's, it was, uh, I wouldn't say like a quite stupid device, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. sometimes some, people, like, you know, yeah. they learn something one way and then that's what they know. So they don't think there's any other way to do it. And that's awesome. You came with them with a a way to do it, another option, a better option. It's fantastic. Yeah. I want I want to ask you, because this is likely the first time anybody listening to the show has heard of Uriot, can you walk us through what the system looks like, what the components are, and how they work together? Yeah. Uh, so basically, there are like three parts. One is the controller. It's uh, very similar or base unit controller, whatever you call it. So it's very similar to any wired base controller. And I think I can name some companies here. So mm -hmm. it's quite similar to Rainbird and Toro and Hunter and uh, Netafim, things like that. So okay. uh, the normal controller for irrigation. And then instead of you know wires going to every valve in the field, we have something that we call RTU. RTU, Remote Termination Unit. So that's the remote unit that is located in the field. And to that uh, remote unit, you connect the actual valve. So we have two different models of RTU. One can support uh, one or two valves, and another one can support up to four valves. Uh, one controller can support 32 RTUs. So at the maximum capacity for one controller, we can have up to 128 valves. Also, to each RTU, uh, you can connect uh, a sensor. Okay. And I think I think we have like a widest uh, variety of sensors uh, that we currently support. Uh, it could be it could be anything. I mean, it could be a flow meter. Uh, mm -hmm. It could be like soils like soil moisture sensor like uh, watermark mm -hmm. is the most common tensiometer it could be volumetric soil moisture sensor ec sensor ph sensor rain gauge uh, normal like, like rain sensor uh, pressure gauge uh, water level gauge 
or any uh, switch type sensor. Okay. And so, so can I ask you a quick, a quick question? Yeah. On those sensors, uh, I know you finish with a switch type sensor and typically a switch yeah. is just right open or closed. On the ones exactly. that you're pulling data from, what type of a connection to the sensor are you using? Uh, well, the sensors are connected to the RTU with a cable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, you can connect uh, two sensors to the, uh, to the base unit. And then, uh, uh, well, our solution can work without any public internet, as I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we get all the data into the cloud or into the controller. So when it comes to soil moisture, we have percentage of the soil moisture. When it comes to temperature, we have temperature in Celsius or Fahrenheit. Uh, so all this kind mm -hmm. of data we get into the controller or in the cloud. And then, of course, we're using this data. Mm -hmm. So we can set up different thresholds, upper limit, lower limit, when to switch off the irrigation, when to start the irrigation. So it could be fully automated because usually when we talk about irrigation, usually it's time scheduling. So mm -hmm. like, one, like zone number one starting like 1 a.m. for one Correct. hour. And like, so uh, in our case, let's say you schedule your irrigation like zone number one for one hour, uh, but then you have the soil moisture sensor there installed. And then you say like, okay, uh, I'm going to irrigate for one hour, but I want to have like 65% soil moisture. And then let's say in 30 minutes or 35 minutes, it will reach 65%. It will cut down the irrigation. And we actually see it quite often now. So some of our customers who are using sensors, uh, sometimes they just like, they use gut feeling or they use something that they used before. I want to irrigate every zone for two hours. So, and um, yeah, we, we told them like, okay, try with sensors. Maybe that's, you know, what do you need? Maybe that's not what you need. Maybe there is more, maybe there is less, just try it. And then they were using sensors and usually they would set up like, you know, two hours each zone. But we seen like, you know, after 40 minutes or like one hour, it's enough. And also to like the drying time, you know, so when it like will mm -hmm. reach the lower Love. limit also like takes, I mean, uh, during like now, like in April or May, uh, it'll take maybe like a week. Right. And, uh, in uh, in June or July, I'm I'm talking about Sweden now. Yeah, so no, it's, it's June, really the the, the yeah. same here. In the spring, it can take a week for the soil to dry out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, just looking at that data and uh, cutting cutting down the irrigation exactly the, at, at, at the certain level of the soil moisture, we've seen that our technology helps to save at least 50% of water. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Fantastic. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not even talking about, you know, switching from the daytime to the nighttime. That's automatically kind of like saves you like 30 to 50% because just it's like, it's, it's, it's just not, not enough heat, you know, and so, yeah. uh, I mean, there is like obvious things, but some things actually surprising even us. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to um, try to uh, paint this picture for those that are mm -hmm. listening on, on the, uh, the parts and components. So you said there's a control yep. box, which is a standard controller and that yep. um, communicates. This is what I'd like to learn a little bit more about that communicates mm -hmm. to your field unit, which is the RTU device. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that communicates with Laura. And I'd yes. like for you to just tell us a little bit more about how about Laura, how far you can go, and about how that communication works. 
Yeah. Well, uh, LoRa is a quite new technology. I think it was announced in 2014, and first uh, devices available in the market were presented in 2016. Uh, we can just make like a, I mean, for the listeners, mm-hmm. we can make like a simple comparison. We have Wi-Fi. We all know Wi-Fi. But Wi-Fi, sometime, I mean, if you have like five rooms or like six rooms in your house, sometimes it's difficult to reach all those rooms. You know, we're losing connection. We're like, you know, low speed and things like that. So Wi-Fi uh, would cover maybe like 100 yards in diameter. Okay. Or in radius, maybe like that. Uh, and LoRa uh, can cover up to ten miles. Wow! Theoretically, or what it it, it what, what technology says, you know. <laughs> so I mean, you, I mean, you can you can you can Google yeah. it. You can go to Wikipedia. You know, you can you can find all this information because the technology allows you to communicate uh, for like ten miles. Uh, that of course, in the perfect conditions, maybe if you would set up antenna on the Eiffel Tower, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So on the, uh, well, what have Center. you, what have you experienced with range with your devices? Uh, I, me myself personally, I've tested three point. Well, uh, I would say uh, two and a half miles. If you talk to American listeners. Wow, that's excellent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's actually more than enough mm-hmm. for any kind of application. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not sure about comparison of uh, hectares to acres. I think it's uh, like one hectare is like three acres or something like that. So, I mean, we can cover up to 500 hectares. So that would be like 1,500 acres. Wow. And then the controller. So we've got the RTU and it's communicating with the controller with the LoRa network. How do you connect the actual control box to the internet? Uh, you don't need to. So you okay. can control everything from your controller. There is like a small screen and uh, eight buttons. Okay. <laughs> so, and you can do it like in an old school way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, actually, you can do everything, even like, you know, set up your thresholds for uh, soil moisture sensor, temperature or other sensors, make like on-demand irrigation, schedule everything and things like that. But uh, let's say 99% of our users are actually connecting the box to the Wi-Fi or to anything that's available at the moment. So uh, you have uh, optional like Wi-Fi dongle, mm-hmm. the things that uh, you would find in the, uh, let's say, uh, TVs or some other devices yeah. that need to be connected. And uh, it's kind of like optional device because some of the users that need it. And also, I mean, we're talking about uh, farming sometimes. Yeah. I mean, not, not sometimes, often it's in rural areas. Sometimes internet doesn't work there, no Wi-Fi, no 3G, no 4G, no LTE, no whatever. So, and also I, I think it's quite important for a commercial application. So let's say you are a farmer and you have your farm somewhere far away from the nearest uh, cell tower. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you just start your irrigation and your irrigation depends on the internet connection. So your controller needs to be connected to the internet in order to start irrigation or stop irrigation. 
and uh, yeah, you start it, your irrigation, it should last for an hour, and then the internet goes down. So what's going to happen next? You're going to flood your field. And uh, in our case, that's not the case because right. our controller communicating directly with the RTUs. If controller is connected to the internet, you can control and set up everything from our cloud software. You can control and set up and monitor everything from your mobile phone, from your computer, from anything that you currently have. And whatever you set up on your uh, in the cloud will be synced to the controller. Whatever you set up on the controller will be synced to the cloud. So you can compare it, let's say, um, easy, easy kind of like easy example. Uh, Microsoft Office and Google Docs. Mm -hmm. So Microsoft Office, you have the Word, Excel, and all those programs on your computer, and usually the documents you create, they stay on your computer. You don't need the internet to work on those documents. Everything is locally. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to Google Doc, you actually log in to Google infrastructure you create the document in your browser and then you create this document and then it will be saved in the cloud you can also uh, sync this data uh, from your computer to uh, to the cloud and then you can create something locally but if internet goes down you cannot reach google you cannot edit your document you cannot get access you cannot get anything but if you have like a local copy you still get access to all the documents you've created in google cloud so that's kind of like difference you know or easy example for listeners to understand you know yeah. how it works with cloud and controller and the things that we sync uh, between each other yeah, that makes total sense. I'd like to learn a little bit more about the RTU. And again, the RTU yeah. is the device that's in the field that the valves hook up to. And you said you have a two valve RTU up to two, and then you have an up to four valve RTU. And my question is, what powers the RTU? What powers? Uh, RTU has internal battery. It's a, it's a standard uh, 18650 uh, battery, lithium polymer battery. Actually, the same batteries that uh, Tesla were using. I don't know what they're, they're okay. using now. But it's a, it's a standard 3.7 volt uh, lithium uh, polymer battery. It's a rechargeable battery. And that's actually powers the RTU, the radio modem, and that uh, can open and close the valve. And that also can read the sensor data. On top of the RTU, we have the solar panel. And this solar panel uh, charging the battery. Even here in Sweden, uh, during the summertime, or let's say from uh, March to late November, it will charge the battery up to 100% every day. But even in complete darkness, when we have not, I mean, I mean, we can just cover the solar panel for uh, w w with anything. So, I mean, it could mm -hmm. be like, yeah, end of the days, you know, <laughs> it'll still work for a month. Wow. With the internal battery. And are you using, I'm going to assume this is DC latching solenoids and not an AC exactly, current. Exactly. Okay. So that's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, our devices, the RTUs, I mean, they're very, uh, uh, energy saving devices. Mm -hmm. So usually, I mean, uh, well, talking more about the technology. So device is sleeping most of the time. It wakes up every 30 seconds. 
listening to the air. If there is a signal from the controller, if there is a signal, okay, maybe it's a signal like open valve number two or like, you know, close valve number five, or whatever. So uh, it's listening to the, uh, to the controller or to the air if there is a command. If there is no command, it goes back to sleep. If there is a command, it will execute the command and then go back to sleep. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's very like energy saving device. Yeah. So that's why it could work from the single three point seven volt <laughs> battery for uh, for a month. Is the LoRa technology? Do you need a license to run that, or is it open? Band. No, no, that's uh, that's a that's a free license. So it's uh, you don't need license. I think it's like it's called ISM band. So it's like a sport medical in the I don't know. It's like what was the I? Uh, but it's no, it's license free. You don't need to have any license. You don't need to uh, let's say certify your uh, equipment additionally. Is uh, I mean. You can compare it to the walkie-talkie you will buy for your kids, you know. So okay. it's uh, it's it's very very because first, I mean, it's uh, it's very low power. So if you take the cell phone and you compare LoRa to the cell phone, uh, it's like one hundred times less power. Wow! And if uh, like you know going back to our conversation comparison LoRa to Wi-Fi so with Wi-Fi you have like a lots of data a lot like very big broadband uh very high speed and in LoRa you have like a very low speed but very long distance and uh, also at the very low power mm -hmm. so um and, yeah, and speaking why. of um you know you mentioned walkie-talkies and one thing I remember um, because, you know, before everyone had a cell phone, if you were on a road trip with someone, you know, you would just use two walkie talkies, drive down the road, you know, you're exactly. going many hours, you can talk to each other, but on those little radios, you could always switch the channel, um, to be on a unique channel with one another. Are there channels inside Laura in a similar way? Yes. Yes. That's uh, yeah. So we, uh, we have, uh, there are like channels and there are also something that's called spreading factor. So there is a combination of different things. So there are like different channels, different spreading factors. So for our devices, we have 10 different channels. So uh, that's uh, that's important if you would have more than, let's say, one controller in your okay. setup, because sometimes uh, we get customers that would want to have like three to four different controllers because they, they need more than 128 valves. Um, and uh, we have 10 different channels and then we can have different uh, spraying factors as well. Okay. So um, it, let's say in uh, not in practice, in practice, we have one customer with four controllers at one location. Uh, but in theory, I think we have up to 15 to 20 controllers in one area and there will be different channels. So also, uh, the devices, the RTUs and controller, they have different IDs. So the signal that mm. will be sent to one device is not going to be read by another device. So, yeah, I mean, even everything is, if everything is working on the same channel, on the same, so it is still digital. So in, unlike walkie talkie, you know, it's like, Hey, 
I'm listening to you. No, you're listening to me because you're on my channel, you know? No. So it's not going to be the same because digital technology will identify the device that is sending or reading information from, and then it will create communication. But we have different channels, we have different spreading factors, and we have different IDs. Makes sense, makes sense. Great, so we talked about you've got a controller, and then that connects wirelessly using LoRa to the RTU. Then you have your valves and you have your sensor devices that can be hooked up to the RTU. And so I think that kind of, you know, paints a picture in a nutshell of what the hardware is. I'd like to ask you next, you know, with in consideration of all of that, what was the hardest engineering um, piece to tackle? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, uh, well, initially, I think the 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 power saving feature. Okay, because, on the RTU. Uh, yes, because latching solenoid uh, consumes between nine to twelve volts. And uh, well, I mean, we could we could install nine volt battery, but it would be whether big, if we need more power, or it would just last for I don't know, three occasions, open and close the valve, you know, <laughs> three sequences. Uh, so uh, we needed to make uh, something that will open and close latching solenoid, uh, which is made for nine to twelve volts using something smaller than nine volt battery or like car battery or something like that because right. our rtus are like very small it's like uh it's like a box from from a smartphone the size right. yeah uh and that was a challenge first i mean how we can make device that can work uh in the field powered by the single battery charged by the very small solar panel because i mean solar pan panels everything is Nowadays, it's like, yeah, solar power, everything is fine. You know, we're going to make a lot of power, but you need to cover a lot of area with the solar panel mm -hmm. in order to make not much power, actually. So in our case, it's a, it's a solar panel, maybe like uh, three by four inches on top of the RTU, and it's charging the 3.7 volt battery, but we need to open nine volt powered valve. That's my next question. How do you do that? Ah, I wouldn't tell you all the details. Okay, about. all right. <laughs> yeah, why we do that? Trust me, we can do that. Uh, yeah. So, very cool. And then again, yeah, please don't share anything that is proprietary. Of course, um, I'm just a curious, curious dude asking curious questions here. Yeah, no, that's totally normal. So, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I, I, I would just I, I reveal uh, like uh, part of the secret. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to power it all the time with nine volts, right? You, you need to create an impulse. Yeah, got and it. That's how we do it. Yep. And for those of you listening that may not understand a DC latching solenoid as it compares to an AC solenoid, when your valve turns on on a traditional AC solenoid, there's power going to it all the time, and it's buzzing and it's humming. You can feel it; it's vibrating. And DC latching, it just latches open, click, and then when it's time to turn off it clicks shut. So there's just a burst of energy to turn it on and one to turn it off. Best explanation I ever heard. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. 
Alex, sprinkler nerd, Alex. Okay. Another fun question for you. What do you think were, or I guess just name one, what mistake have you guys made along the way building your company? Oh, uh, there was many, uh, first <laughs> I think, well, uh, first I think there was a question whether we have to make a consumer product or b B2B product. Okay. So, because I mean, sometimes, or especially now with crowdfunding, you know, with all this kind of like new ways of financing the business, you know, and also what people think, what people are trying to accomplish. Uh, sometimes you think like, yeah, we make like a mass product, you know, we'll get like millions of customers, everything is going to be fine. But in the end, it's uh, what is actually important, you know, is what's important. I mean, for us, it's important to save water, to increase the crop yield, uh, to to feed, you know, the generation, growing generation, rapidly growing generation. And uh, yeah, try to make the world more like, you know, self-sustainable, more like, you know, eco-friendly and things like that. And uh, in the end, we decided that, okay, we're going to make B2B product. Uh, we're going to tackle business customers and uh, and that's it so and um, mm -hmm. yeah I think I mean initially when we made a prototype we were considering the the mass product you know mass market product or customer product so um, and um, I'm glad that it wasn't mistake you know made or it maybe maybe it would be a mistake made initially but it wasn't the case in our case. So uh, I think we made the right choice. Even though now when we are developing, when we see that sometimes uh, our customers are buying something from their private like uh, properties for their private gardens, uh, even though I personally think it's uh, uh, maybe it's uh, it's not that, you know, uh, not the product that you would buy personally. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, if I, if I would have my small home garden or party or something like that, I would just pull the cables or, I mean, I would make right. more using some, something less, um, I wouldn't say complicated because our technology is not complicated at all, but I mean, something more like, I mean, I would just install like easy timers, you know, yeah. there, there was like device with the timer that can open and close the valve at a certain time. That what I would do for my personal garden. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we, we see more and more, you know, people want to automate everything. They want to have, uh, they want to control everything from the smartphone or from the cloud. You know, they want to have notifications. They want to have alarms and things like that. So uh, we see more and more people. And we are actually discussing about the uh, product for uh, for uh, private customers. Yeah, and, and they want the data, you know, to make better decisions or just to have as, as a tool. My question to you would be, can you... Since the valves are hooked up to the RTU, can you wire the RTU to the controller and just remove the lower network? Um, no, not exactly. But in the controller, you can install uh, something that we call extension board. And we have two types of extension boards. One extension board have uh, eight, uh, let's say, digital outputs. And for those digital outputs, more like, you know, switch types, so you can dry contact mm -hmm. on and off you know mm -hmm. and you with that extension board you can control anything so um we developed it specifically to support uh 
uh, fertigation or fertilization machines where you can open and close the valve and you can start uh, different pumps you can start different devices you know and things like that and another board will have the inputs up to like eight inputs okay uh, so uh to the controller you can connect up to well you can connect two uh extension boards each extension board eight inputs or eight outputs so up to 16 outputs or up to 16 inputs now we are just trying to find out what's, what's going to be better so maybe we'll have some of the inputs already built in on the controller and then mm -hmm. the extension boards will just control the outputs so um yeah i mean it will depend on the application but yes you will yeah. be able to control the valves the pumps the like your light box or whatever <laughs> you will be able to connect to the controller and uh, you will be able to uh, do some action from the controller or from the cloud fantastic I, I love how you know companies here in the us are wired and they're trying to figure out wireless and it's like you guys have done the opposite gone wireless mm. nailed that and we're and now you're working backwards potentially to just the wired option i love that well, I mean, it was it was requested, and also when I told you about our first prototype, when we had controller, the existing controller, it was like a normal twenty four volts AC controller, mm -hmm. uh, and then we just replaced wires. So we actually did something that we are trying to do now. So we just wired uh, the wired base controller to the box, which just replace the wires and then we send signal to the rtus now we're just doing the same in the easy format so we have mm -hmm. extension board in our controller and our controller can support the extension boards and you can connect either inputs or outputs and then do basically whatever you want with it because it's, it's it's quite flexible it's a port and that port you can define like okay this port is going to turn it on or turn it off it's going to open the valve or it's going to start the pump and things like that and when it comes to i think it's important for listeners as well uh, when it comes to starting pumps or starting some things uh in the garden or in the farm you know uh, we can do that we can do it uh, just connecting to the controller with this uh, output board and we can do it remotely as well so instead of hooking up valve to the rtu you can mm -hmm. hook up something that uh, we called it like latching relay so the latching relay you can connect to the rtu and with the latching relay you can start or like turn on and off any device so okay. it could be it could be pump, it could be light, it could be gates, it could be something else. And right. that could be done as well. Cool. Well, we've talked a lot about the product, how it works. If anybody wants to learn more, they can go to uriot.com and look at all the parts and pieces and get a visual on what these devices are. I'd like to ask you about your current market in Europe, where you're currently selling, where you're having a success right now. Um. Well, I mean, since we are a Swedish company, most of our customers come from uh, Sweden or Scandinavia. But uh, right now we have more than 100 customers from, I think, 14 or 15 different countries. When it comes to market segments, I think, well, the most important, as I mentioned before, the agriculture and farming, uh, the plant nurseries. 
plant nurseries were like uh, uh, kind of um, unexpected success for us. Hmm. So first we approached a couple of those companies because I mean plant nursery is not is not an actual farm. So I mean they don't grow uh, things that you would usually grow in a farm, you know. So they don't grow uh, things like in the in the in the open field. So they, they they grow things in pots, you know. They grow things in rows, you know. They they use drip irrigation. They um, um, they relocate some things from one season to another you know they they need to have like something quite flexible and that's exactly where our solution is flexible for i mean it doesn't matter if you have like a permanent installation if you have something so what, what they appreciate about our solution that you can just take the rtu mount it somewhere else locate um, connect it to some valves somewhere else or next season you know you you don't grow things exactly here you mm -hmm. don't you you want to grow things like you know like 200 yards away you just mm -hmm. take the rtu and connect it there so i mean for them it's, it's very like flexible you don't need to dig down trenches uh, you don't need to lay down cables you don't need to have anything permanent and uh, those like i mean the plant nurseries which was unexpected success for us usually they would buy something just to try out so they would buy like one controller and maybe like five to ten rtus and then in one month they will double up in like next season they will triple up so yeah one uh, one particular customer they started with one controller and 10 rtus now they have three controllers and 60 rtus yeah, that makes total sense because inertia, like you said, they're always moving stuff around. One week they've got a certain plant on this side, and then a couple weeks later they want to move it around. And with your system, basically that RTU is 100% portable because it's not connected to anything. It's its own wireless component with valves connected to it. So that makes a ton of sense. Exactly. Okay, so let's transition uh, from from you know the Scandinavian Scandinavian market, European market to the United States. You know, I, I think uh, uh, when I was talking to to Johan, your co-founder, you guys are looking for opportunities here in the U.S. And I wanted to ask you, you know, if you could tell us what the perfect opportunity might look like. So if anybody's listening that knows of a project like that, you know, we might be able to help you out. Well, uh, I think uh, when it comes to uh, farming, you know, and uh, agriculture in general, I think it's uh, uh, I think it's similar everywhere. But uh, there are two things that we need to consider. One is the water scarcity. Another is the price of labor. So uh, since with our technology i mean we save a lot of water and we also eliminate human factor we save a lot of a lot of uh, uh, labor hours uh, it depends because in in this world as i find out there is like there is a balance you know mm -hmm. so here in sweden we have a lot of water there are like tons of lakes tons of rivers mm -hmm. we have a lot of water in this country uh, we're trying to use it wisely, so we don't spend too much. We don't spend it, you know, when it doesn't need to be spent. Uh, but at the same time, the labor in this country is quite expensive. 
And uh, when we talk about some other countries where water scarcity is much more severe, usually the labor is cheap. But you cannot overcome this problem just by hiring more people because uh, you just have you, ju you just have like a bucket of water and you need to water the whole garden with just bucket of water. And it doesn't matter if you have five or ten people doing that. You just have this bucket. And you, mm -hmm. need, to, you need to spend this bucket in order to grow some food and uh, not to destroy the field and not to destroy anything. So when it comes to American market, I think there is there are like, uh, since it's, it's a very large country, uh, it's uh, different areas, different, uh, you know, uh, kind of like, tropical zones or north zones and mm -hmm. things like that so in some of the states i mean i understand about uh california and florida and utah you know and all those so uh, yeah in some of those states maybe the water scarcity is much more severe maybe we need to use uh, reused water or like you know the water that we have from uh, uh, from the households which was reused or recycled you know or uh, renewed mm -hmm. and uh, at the same time the uh, the labor price in the in the united states is more or less you know on the level is more or less the same in every state so uh, mm -hmm. i think uh, what's important is uh, to find that balance you know to uh, to use our solution at the areas where water scarcity is much more severe you know, because first, I mean, we need to save our planet. We need to save the water. We need to produce more food, you know, and we need to make it better, kind of. Uh, I know that uh, in California, for example, there is a law. If there was a rain, you cannot irrigate anything where you cannot, you know, use your water to uh, to fill up your swimming pool or something like that for 48 mm -hmm. hours. And there are even companies making timers that you set up on the main valve, uh, that uh, that has like a rain sensor. Mm -hmm. So if it was a rain for 48 hours, forget about using water from this valve. And uh, I know it's happening. So uh, and uh, obviously there are more states, more territories in the United States than here in Sweden that uh, needs to use our technology because our technology will help them to save water to uh, increase the crop yield, to reduce the human labor. So I think win-win-win. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And sometimes even if labor, labor is always expensive and it's getting more and more so here in the US, but right now mm -hmm. we just don't have labor. <laughs> so it isn't even about the price of it. There just is a lack of labor supply. And, um, you know, so if That's you don't true. have to put that wire in and you can, use a three-man crew instead of a five-man crew or put it in, in in you know half the amount of time those are all um, really good efficiencies so um, i appreciate all of this you know we can if anybody's listening and they you know want to reach out to you or your company or contact you or maybe they have an opportunity to import some product try it out you know um, install it what would be the best way for them to contact you alex uh, through the website, through the contact form on the website. Uh, so that's, um, that's the first thing to do, yeah. And uh, speaking about the um, United States uh, and Canada as well, so we are actually 
going to ship the first order to the uh, one uh, winery in California tomorrow. Fantastic. And then we have a couple of cherry growers in Canada, and mm-hmm. they did order uh, last week. Last week we were at the, uh, at the event in Berlin, which was called uh, Fruit Logistica. So okay. it's exhibition in Berlin, in Germany. Mm-hmm. So we just met a couple of guys there. One of them is uh, the biggest uh, cherry uh, grower in uh, British Columbia, in Canada. And the winery in California, you know, famous for, <laughs> for the good <laughs> wine. <laughs> yeah. uh, from your part of the world, I would say. Uh, yeah, uh, we were in discussion for probably like two, two, two to three weeks now. So they made the first order and uh, we're going to ship it out tomorrow. And the Canadian uh, installation will be shipped out next week. Well, I wish you guys uh, the best. I know you will be successful and uh, look forward to watching the journey unfold. And then maybe in a year or so or some point in the future, we can catch back up and see what you guys have learned along the way. Really appreciate your time, Alex. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your support and for your trust. Absolutely. Have a great day. Yeah, and thank you for having us. My pleasure. Hey, just wanted to jump back in here at the end of the episode and thank each and every one of you for listening to today's episode. If you've made it this far, it means you definitely are a sprinkler nerd because this was a techie kind of episode. And I know for me, I really think that we are on the verge of changing the way not only the way people water plants, but really the technology that's used to water plants. I think the days of running wire are coming to an end. I really do. I think that in 10 years from now, we will likely not be installing wire in the ground anymore. So that's just my hunch, but I appreciate you guys listening. And like I said, if you did make it to the end, you are definitely a sprinkler nerd. And we would love to have you join us in the sprinkler nerd private community on Facebook. This is a community for green industry professionals. So even if you're not an irrigation contractor or technician or or sprinkler company owner, maybe you are a landscaper. Maybe you cut grass for a living. Maybe you apply fertilizer. Maybe you build decks, patios, walls, ponds, any of that kind of green industry professional work. We'd love to have you join us in the Sprinkler Nerd community where we can share ideas together and learn from one another in a professional environment. So thank you guys so much. I love each and every one of you. It is so fun to release a new episode and know that there's ears out there listening. It's great. So thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to create some fun Sprinkler Nerd content. And as we end, let's just go ahead and dance this one out. What the hell? Let's do it. Have some fun, guys. Enjoy your day. Do something fun. 